0: Welcome to The Disappearing Mind, a unique podcast helping you find clarity and support along your dementia journey. Now, join National Dementia Trainer and Coach Don Platt for an all-new episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. In the studio with me today and again is my friend EJ. Hello. EJ is having a personal experience with dementia. I'm going to pick up a topic today, a topic I hope will be valuable to you, either now or in the future, and I know that E.J. is going to ask some questions that if you were here with me, you would want to ask. So E.J., how are you? Good. Thank you very much for having me again. Great, great. Well, E.J., for those in our audience who maybe have not heard you on a previous podcast, why don't you share a little bit about your situation Sure.
1: So my mother-in-law lives with us. My husband is an only child, so it's kind of fallen upon him to take care of her in her later life. She is not far, far along, but she is pretty well into Alzheimer's and is displaying a lot of the behaviors that we talk about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's for me, it's so beneficial to be here because I learn things and I take things home and I share them with my husband and that way we can have a more productive life at home with our kids and my mother-in-law. But yeah, she's a repeater. That's that's okay. the, the fun. The
0: topic. Okay. <laughs> yes. So EJ is a career woman. She works in marketing mm-hmm. and not only does she have a career, she is a wife and mother of small children. Mm-hmm. And so on top of that, she has her mother-in-law. So she is what we consider the sandwich generation, which many of you are in that same boat and tackle issues and problems in your family day after day. On the podcast, we like to cover a lot of different aspects of that kind of life. Just for those of you maybe who are not familiar with me, I am a certified dementia practitioner. I have been in the field working in geriatrics with Alzheimer's and dementia for well over 30 years. I am a national dementia trainer. I train professionals and certified professionals, as well as I am a dementia coach. And dementia coaching is someone who supports families in their decision-making process as their loved one or friend is going through the different stages. And so we tend to advise people, give a few suggestions, and then the family or loved one kind of takes it from there. So I enjoy dementia coaching. I enjoy offering some solutions and alternatives. It is not something that's always as accurate as maybe it could be, but dementia is very different for each individual, depending on the stages. And so today we're going to talk about Tips for Aggressive and Threatening Behavior. And I picked this topic for a couple of reasons. Number one is I'm getting a lot of calls about this kind of thing and coping with those changes that may produce aggressive and threatening behavior. And I want to define that as we go along. And I want to make it perfectly clear that we are not stereotyping people with dementia. Not everyone will exhibit All of the symptoms that you hear about Alzheimer's or dementia, a lot of factors come into play. For instance, the diagnosis, the environment and the social structure that someone's in, the state of mind, obviously nutritional status. A lot of factors impact whether or not someone would exhibit an aggressive or threatening behavior. However, I think in most cases, we are going to see personality changes and face it, for many of us, that is enough, especially if it's our parent or our spouse of a number of years, any change like that is going to cause some changes for us. It's going to be uncomfortable at times, right? Especially if you've been married a long time and all of a sudden now you're married to this person who maybe you don't recognize Or understand. So let's go ahead and get into it, EJ. Aggressive and threatening behavior. Here, I'm really talking about someone who gets overly anxious, maybe does not want to cooperate. Maybe they over-exaggerate things and it kind of gets loud or noisy, right? They need to be right or they need you to hear them and you're not really able to calm them down. And in some circumstances, gets out of control. And may involve some verbal abuse, God forbid, but could involve some physical outbursts. It could involve a number of things emotionally. So threatening behavior might also be that where they're accusing you of stealing or taking their money or they're threatening bodily harm. Those are kind of things that are very difficult for people to deal with. In their loved ones or acquaintances who have dementia. So if a person with dementia is threatening you or acting physically violent, such as hitting or pushing or kicking you, if they're threatening you in any way, there's a number of things that you can do. Number one, I want to say right up front, if it is out of hand, you need to call 911 Mm -hmm. and get some help. Never, ever be afraid to reach out for help. I know that family after family, I hear this wife after wife, husband after husband, they do not want to call for help when they need it. And the situation can really get out of hand. And it's not as though you're calling the police on your husband or your wife or your mother. It's that you can't control the situation yourself and you need an outside person or persons to help you deescalate the situation. Okay. So let's talk about if this is happening, there are a number of things that you can try. And one of the reasons why many of these are going to be important is that changes in cognitive behavior are not always visible to the naked eye. You can't always put your finger on what's changing in their personality or what they're doing differently, but you know, it's different, right? Mm -hmm. It might be ever so slight, but if you're um, in a situation where there's aggression, anxiety over the top, that's out of control or threatening behavior, you want to give the person space and time to calm down. And I think that that is a pretty typical bit of advice that you would see in any given situation, whether it be in the workplace with workplace violence or even in a situation involving a police officer where they're trying to calm domestic violence or anything like that. So you want to give them space and time to calm down. The thing about this situation is that you have to remember that they may be escalated, but the next five minutes, they may completely forget Mm -hmm. the whole situation. So it's not like you, they can't always sustain that energy, whether it's threatening or anxious or anger for a long period of time, they may completely forget the scenario. So try that with a lot of respect to just give them their space and their time. That's a very good bit of advice. Secondly, stay out of arm's reach and position yourself near an exit. You always want to have a route of escape. You do not want to be in a corner that could escalate and you try to come out of the corner and it may appear to the person that you are escalating. They are not always able to interpret your intentions. They just can't always evaluate that situation. So you want to be very cognizant of what you're saying with your face and your Mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're rolling your eyes or you're devaluing on your face what it is they have to say it can infuriate the situation and cause it to escalate more so that's really really important we have to remember ej that on a scale of zero to 60 which in certain circumstances with the person well into their dementia they can't regulate their emotions sure so What you would think, are you kidding me? Are you really upset because I removed your coffee too early? They just can't always express it in a way that you would express it right.
1: So coming from a mom with kids, obviously distraction is a tactic that I use sometimes with my children, be it given an iPad. So in a situation like when a loved one is being aggressive with Alzheimer's, Is
0: distraction of something that they like a good thing to use? Absolutely, 100%. We call it distraction and redirection. If you can distract their thought process and redirect them, they cannot process Mm -hmm. two thoughts at once. So anytime you can interject, change the topic, the subject, or focus on something of value and that they love, it will de-escalate the situation. So wonderful question. Have you have you tried that technique? I have
1: not with my mother-in-law, okay. um, with the children all the time. Uh, okay. no, it's thinking about that and you know, knowing that people may not be as physically able for certain things. And that was my idea was if there's a baseball game on TV and they love baseball, mm-hmm. you know, swing over that way because it is scary sometimes, and you have to have a plan. I shouldn't say you now. Exactly. A plan.
0: Exactly. So healthcare professionals who work with people who have dementia, we generally will recommend to families and memory care directors, caregivers of those who have dementia, to go ahead and do that evaluation up front. And depending on what the behavior might be, could mm-hmm. maybe it's wandering, maybe it's anxiety, We identify two to three things that we have on hand that we will pull out to distract and redirect, Mm -hmm. change the subject, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So we do that in advance. It's a technique that we use in our Shine program in order to help people navigate that bed of emotions that they may be feeling. So that's a really good idea. And I can help you with that. We could talk about Mm -hmm. it on a future podcast How do you do that? How do you redirect and how do you distract? And I know that it might seem elementary, but believe me, it works. Mm -hmm. It works. And that's the part that is so hard to see with the naked eye unless you watch for it. So there are triggers that come up and you'll see anxiety build in them. You'll just see it. You'll see it. You'll see it. So we spoke about a scenario recently Mm -hmm. with your mother-in-law that I want to bring up. And I gave you a bit of advice and I want to talk about that a little bit and break it down. So your mother-in-law is planning a trip up North where she wants to travel and stay and do some things that the family feels like that is not the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's her plan. Mm -hmm. And you want to discourage that. Mm -hmm. And I suggested to you that you not negate her plan by coming out and saying, no, that's not the case or no, that's not the plan or no, you're not capable or no, we're not going right. Mm -hmm. Those are all nan 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 negatives and they produce nothing but more negative outcomes because when you use the word, no, you can't do that. It is not met with warm, fuzzy feelings because nobody really wants to say that. So I think the suggestion that I made to you was let it go maybe talk about, oh, yeah, that's going to be a great time and who are going to visit and the weather will be beautiful and just kind of being in agreement, knowing that the long-term memory will not sustain that plan. And that plan could be forgotten this afternoon, tomorrow, next month, or, or whatever the case might be. So I think that that is probably the better mm-hmm. approach. And a lot of times we, including me, want to correct and clarify the situation. Same. (laughs) Okay, okay. But the fact of it is it creates more anxiety on their part Mm -hmm. because not only are they trying to navigate in their world, they're being met with obstacles from us. So another scenario I want to bring up because I think this happens to people all the time. And I think that we feel guilty if we come into agreement with them and we know it's not really going to happen. So we, do we kind of feel like liars? I What is that?
1: I I am a, okay, yeah, we can talk about that later. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Or I kind of put the onus on her for certain things. Right. Knowing that she's not going to do that. Speaking of that trip, she literally has not spoken about it since it was just, I say, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it. And now it's gone. So right. your advice was spot on.
0: Good. 100%. Good. Okay, so Um, here's another scenario. mm -hmm. Uh, And this happened in a recent case with a family I was helping at one of our communities. Their loved one, their mother, has imaginary people that she has a relationship with and talks to all of the time, and they're always coming to visit her. Of course, they never arrive, but Mm -hmm. they're very real to her. And they know her, her life, her family, her brothers and sisters, and as well as the work she's done throughout her life. And she's very proud Of her reputation. Well, just recently, she got very anxious and said, they're here. They're here. I want you here. They're here. And let's go find them. So obviously, going and finding them meant she would be removed from the security, Mm -hmm. the secure place where she was. So some techniques were tried to deter her, but really came to pass that she doesn't really refuse to come back in or anything. So maybe it's better to take a little stroll Mm -hmm. with her instead of saying no. They took her out. They strolled her to look at one door and then strolled her to look at another down the hallway and look at another. And by the time she did that a couple of times and walked back, she was ready to come back in. Mm -hmm. And there was no more talk of that. I think that sometimes we have to give a little to get a little. And there was no talk of, whether or not here because of this or you were wrong, Mm -hmm. never that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just kind of went away. So there was a a satisfaction that occurred by the agreement. Now, you can't always do that if you have someone who wanders or will push the envelope. And Mm -hmm. once they get out, they want to go further and farther and farther. And you can't get them back, obviously. But I think for the most part, if we try and accommodate them somewhat, it will eliminate itself until the next time hmm.
1: Yes, I agree. OK. And I am working. That's actually a personal thing that I am working on is how do I give in a little bit without completely throwing off my schedule or my children's schedule? Right. How do I
0: accommodate just to make her happy? Right. And I think you play on her heart. hmm. Mm. So, yeah, you play on her heartstrings. <laughs> right. It's the one thing either by using your husband. Right. Or your children and you would say things like oh what do you call her mom no I call her by your first name just we can call her mother-in-law okay okay <laughs> she told me I could call her mom I said
1: no no I have a mom
0: okay 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 mother-in-law oh, I'd be glad to do that but I have all of this to finish for my husband mm-hmm. right would it be okay if we did it after So there you're kind of putting it off. You're not saying no, you're Uh not saying when, you're not really committed. And a lot of times that will do it Mm -hmm. unless they're really hyper-focused. We have to work around setting up more obstacles than they already have navigating in their world. So I hope that is helpful.
1: It has. I
0: Like I said, she likes to spend money,
1: which has resulted in us. So do I. (laughs) We all do. Unfortunately, she does not have the money to spend. Mm-hmm. So she likes to ask me to buy things for her. And I say, sure, go online and pick out some things and, uh, you know, let me know. I think by the time those steps get through, she has just lost it. Nor does she need anything. You know, she's doesn't want for anything.
0: It's the thrill of the
1: hunt. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's also why
1: she's living with us and can't afford a nicer place. Okay.
0: So let me ask you something. Does she remember everything she has purchased? Oh, I'm sure not. Yeah. Well, well, here's a wonderful solution. If you could go in and start gathering some of those things and maybe package them up and periodically give them to her and say, oh, I picked these up or, oh, I forgot to give those to you or look what I found. Mm -hmm. It may help with some of that wanting. It's about the hunt Mm -hmm. and And the get. And and the get. Of course, it's about the get. I want a present. sure. So so if you could repackage, and I will tell you, I've done this for Christmas before. (laughs) I will tell you, the thrill was still there. Yes, But if they cannot remember, they cannot retain the value of what they already have. So if they don't miss it, mm-hmm. perhaps it could be rewrapped and repackaged as a new gift periodically. I don't know if we're quite at that point. We but to I test would- it. S- test the waters.
1: Perhaps this Christmas.
0: Yeah. Test the waters and see as she really identifies all of those things. So I do have another form of aggression
1: story to share with you. Okay, go ahead. That just happened on Tuesday, actually. So Tuesdays, um, in the past, let me preface it with my husband works late on Tuesdays. So I am pretty much the sole, the sole doer of the house, get the kids, feed them, feed everyone. This past Tuesday, my son needed a haircut. So I went into my mother-in-law's bedroom and I knocked on the door. I said, Hey, I'm going to go get the kids. I'll be back in a while. Picked them up, took son to get the haircut ended up grabbing the kids food and I get a call from my mother-in-law and I didn't get to it in time and it went to voicemail and it was a scaling voicemail of where are you why aren't you here where is my food I'm so angry how could you do this to me oh my goodness and again, this is after working all day mm-hmm. and then running around town to get the kids and try and take care of my family stuff. Right. And it was just like, I I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I played the voicemail for her when I got home. And I said, this is not a nice way to treat people, especially the ones who do things for you. Mm-hmm. She had zero memory of the voicemail. Of course. So, I mean, it's it, but it goes to your point where it's like, so mean and so aggressive and then 20 minutes later she was fine mm-hmm. and had no recollection of it and it's those things it's not necessarily like when you think of aggression you think of physical and right. fighting and uh-huh. it, but those are the things that wear you down so yes. much yes the insinuations yes oh and that is hers where we're abusing her and mm-hmm. she can't believe anyone tre- and i'm like I don't know what else to do. Right. But that's where. So
0: what did you do that resolved that? And what do you think you might have been able to do to put the icing on the cake?
1: Well, I was not in the house with her. So I think obviously, again, to your earlier point, I left her alone for Mm -hmm. I called her back and I said, I have your food with me. I had to do some errands. I will be home soon. Very short, very succinct sentences. And she said, oh, okay." And again, I want to be aggressive and say, this is not, you can't do this. You can't do this. Let me tell you why this happened, right? But at the end of the day, really, what I have been trying to work on with my husband is just saying, you know what? Got to let it go. It's not, this isn't getting better. This isn't something to solve. This is what we're given. And we can either fight it or we can say, okay, so a lot of pride swallowing. Exactly. A lot. Good questions. Just
0: I love crying. your questions <laughs> and your discussion. Okay. So just a suggestion here. And this is going to take checks and balances because mm-hmm. someday your husband will be good at this and you'll look at him with a snotty look. <laughs> and other times you're going to be better at it. But play off one another and say something like, oh, mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, mother-in-law, I got you your favorite food. I bought it just for you. You're really going to enjoy this. And make her think that you have done something, especially for her. Now, you can impose a thought into their situation for them. So I call it setting the standard. So you can say, oh, you love this. I was so happy to get it for you. It was my pleasure. And really kind of set the tone. So a lot of times they don't know how they feel mm-hmm. because they have this raw gamut of emotions that are out of control. And frankly, it's the dementia. Let's face it, it's the dementia. And so sometimes, even with my own mother, I will say to her, I made you your favorite lunch. Well, it's not exactly her favorite lunch, okay? Mm-hmm. However, I just told her it was. Mm-hmm. And so it makes her happy. Now, it's some of her favorite things that I put together... And it'll make her feel good about herself. It'll set the tone. So sometimes you have to impart that tone for them and try that, try that scenario of creating the story and see if that doesn't help her. She's not processing well. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really know and understand that she's insinuating that she hurts your feelings because she would never do that. Never, never, never. And so those are some of the things that, my husband and I will laugh about to ourselves so that we don't cry. And families do this all the time. Just really talking about, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next. But it's helpful Mm -hmm. to just talk about it and to create storylines that really shift her mood. I mean, it's going to be beneficial for the whole family and for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's not choosing to be snarky. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that Maybe she was snarky in the past. I don't really know. But when dementia comes in, a lot of times it's just kind of where they are and they have no filter. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to do that and to just remind ourselves. And I do this myself. It's not personal. Mm -hmm. It really isn't personal, even though it feels Mm -hmm. very much like that. That's just a suggestion I have for you. So let's talk about some of the other things. So. Obviously, reduce background noise. Mm -hmm. Okay. Loud conversations, TV, radio, anything that could be adding confusion to what's happening. Maybe they're irritated because they're hearing voices with the TV or they think the TV is real or they're hearing a lot of things. So we get a lot when my
1: daughter throws a temper tantrum. She, my mother in law, is just completely like offended. Oh my goodness. That my child is. I'm like,
0: first of all, she's a kid. And right. that is spot on. Right. And-
1: exactly.
0: And because she can't regulate that emotion mm-hmm. she's hearing. It's kind of like holding an infant. You want to comfort the infant, but you can't. And for some reason, you're thinking, why can't you understand that? But honestly, that's kind of gone. She's like, yeah, it's a kid. but Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also- so keep the phone with you in case that you need to call for help. Mm-hmm. Of course, this would be in a threatening behavior. Remove yourself and others if needed to stay safe. So if the situation gets out of hand, just remove yourself. Mm -hmm. As long as they're not on the edge of a balcony, ready to whatever, remove yourself from the room. And we do that in our memory care communities. If it gets out of control, we don't have to fix it and calm it down. If the person is safe and secure in the place where they are, mm-hmm. we just remove ourselves from the scenario in the situation so that we're not the triggers to what's happening. So that could be useful. How long,
1: in a situation like that, how long do you generally leave them by themselves?
0: Well, I think you could probably answer this for yourself by. Mm-hmm just thinking of her patterns, how long does she stay in a mood? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if she stays in a mood five or 10 minutes, then I would say five or 10 minutes. Okay, If she stays agitated for 30 minutes at a time, I mean, I wouldn't do it forever. I wouldn't do it for several hours or anything, but just until you feel like and test the waters that Mm -hmm. things have calmed down again, maybe reintroduce yourself by saying, Hey, I have your lunch ready. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've made you a beverage or, Oh, here's some ice cream. Here's something that you love. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I know how much you like it. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath and try and stay calm and listen. Your children read you and play off of that. So will she, if it's really apparent that things are out of control, you need to be the calmest person in the room, no matter how hard that is. And sometimes I think with our team members, We may not always be that person. We may need to switch off. If things get out of control in a caregiving situation, and there's one that's better in control and calmer than the other, the other person may need to remove themselves. Sometimes that takes switching off and on Mm -hmm. until the situation calms down. Those are just some good pointers. Empathize. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is hard empathize, apologize. I'm sorry, this is so frustrating for you. Mm -hmm. That's very different than saying, oh, you're really acting ugly. And I can't believe you're so out of control kind of thing. It is acknowledging and invalidating the emotion. Okay, so saying I'm sorry that this is so frustrating is not saying it's right. Oftentimes, emotional security is very important for a person. And so When you validate the person by just acknowledging that they're feeling frustrated, oftentimes they will feel heard and it might de-escalate the situation. Offering reassurance. This is another area. I know this is difficult. It's going to be okay. We're here with you to help. You're not going to have to go through this alone. Mm -hmm. And I will say with different residents in a memory care setting, you're safe and I'm here with you. And I'm not going to leave you. That is just kind of a reassurance. And many of these people don't even know me. Mm -hmm. But just because I've said that and I've taken the lead on it's okay, you're safe. I'm going to stay with you. It's very validating and de-escalating for the person. There's some other things here in regards to aggressive and threatening behavior that I want to go through. Avoid confrontational body language, such as crossing your arms and standing over a person or directly in front of them or over them. Mm -hmm. That is very confrontational. Your stance may present a trigger. You have to be very careful. I have this issue. I will tell you I have this issue because not only am I a redhead, (laughs) but I have a very strong, bold, authoritative kind of voice Uh that can uh, feel threatening to people in Uh general, but it can feel threatening to someone with dementia. So I have to read what's happening and I may have to scale back my stance. Uh I may have to scale down the tone of my voice. I may have to project very softly on Mm -hmm. purpose. I may have to use my hands and just kind of lower my body language down in a very passive kind of way. Mm -hmm. I find that that works. Take charge kind of thing is not always met with a lot of acceptance, especially if someone is kind of out of control with their emotions. Mm -hmm. So That makes sense. Let's talk about you and your mother-in-law and your relationship prior to this onset Mm -hmm. of dementia. How was your relationship? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer.
1: That is such a loaded question of joy. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, it actually started with my husband. My husband and my mother-in-law did not have a great relationship for a long time. Mm -hmm. And again, he's an only child. Her and my father-in-law are divorced. So it was once a year at best. She by nature is very cordial. And I always think of like that she wanted to be high society even before this all started. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a very, on the surface, it was a very polite relationship. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So it was never close, like not like my mom and I. Right. And my husband, and I would, I could honestly say is closer to my mother than he is with his mother. Mm -hmm. So
0: that's really the meat of it. Um, Okay. Relationships prior to dementia mm -hmm. or let's say dementia progressing Mm -hmm. um, can have a direct impact on uh, relationships afterwards. I have made suggestions and we have a professional counterpart Mm -hmm. that I had suggested to her husband that he uses heartstrings to get his father, who was very uncooperative, to do something, to pull on his heart Mm -hmm. um, in order to get him to cooperate. If the relationship has not been maybe solid or there were any issues, that can play into a situation. They tend to have, and I say they, people with dementia, tend to have people that they will listen to. And we just had this conversation with Mm -hmm. with another colleague that, his father would listen to him, wouldn't listen to the mother. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there are figures and people in family relationships that may be better at communication, getting them to cooperate more. And so consider that. Here's the last one I want to go into for today. I don't know how much time we have left, but I want to dialogue back Mm -hmm. and forth. Avoid criticizing, testing or correcting the person. And I think that We feel obligated, especially around others, family and friends, to correct the conversation, correct the report they give to the doctor or from the doctor. But we want to avoid that would be perceived as criticizing. I think that people can be very sensitive and misinterpret what is being said or the way it's being said or our, how we might be countering them. And oftentimes we have to be the bigger person.
1: <laughs> that is my mother-in-law. You just, she is, <laughs> she is everything you just said. Okay. I cannot correct her in front of other people. Right. My husband can't say no, you're wrong at the doctor. Uh-huh.
0: hundred percent. Oh, All well, off. how does she react to you and to him when that happens? Uh, well,
1: because she again likes to be proper
0: she'll mm-hmm. wait till
1: we're in a less populated situation and she's like i don't like the way you talk to me and i have to rein myself in at that point and say okay i'm just correcting you and she's like well that's not what i heard and I'm like what the and she will fight you tooth and nail because she 100 percent believes she is correct uh-huh And it's at a certain point you just have to stop and say, okay. And walk away. Yes. So that's, that's been the biggest point of contention in our house. I think is her incorrect
0: information. So is she able to bring that topic up again or is it a one-time thing? Oh, oh, she can bring it up again. Oh my.
1: My parents were over visiting and she said about going on the trip. And I said, no, mother-in-law, you know, that's not what we're doing this summer. You know, we don't have plans for that. And she held it till later in which she got upset with me and told me not to correct her in front of my parents. Like, these are my my parents, mm-hmm. not yours, my parents. Right. And later, when my parents were at my house and I was not around, she tried to talk to my mother about it. Oh, Okay. And my mother shut her down, bless her heart. So that, yeah, she's I think one of those people that feels personally wronged by so many things that yes. she she, you know, how dare the Bill Gates not give me a thousand dollars after I forwarded the email or you know, goofy things right. like that. Right. Walmart's gonna send me a thousand dollars for filling out the survey. Mm-hmm. And so That I think was our initial, you know, like, okay, this isn't normal, but yeah, she will for certain things when she feels personally wronged, she'll bring it up.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a void Mm -hmm. in her life Mm -hmm. and I would tend to try and look for that void or seek some help. What is that that maybe would fulfill that area? Many of my clients, feel unjustified, mm-hmm. violated, not treated well. And there's something that I think happens to them socially and emotionally. They lose sense of self. And of course, we teach all of that in Shine, yeah. that, that validation and how you do that. And a lot of it has to do with not being able to process. and And other is nothing occupying their mind. I was just about to say not having things to do, not being as important as they used to be, I think is a big. Exactly. So there has to be a way to exert energy, whether that's physical energy Mm -hmm. or spiritual energy or social energy. And I think that when we find outlets for them, whatever it may be, we will see that minimize a little bit more. But if she just remains idle and focuses and doesn't have the things. So my mother, Mm -hmm. bless her heart, she will say things like, well, I never get to go anywhere. And she just went somewhere yesterday Mm -hmm. and was out for the most of the day. But she doesn't really recall that. If she doesn't get to go where she wants to go, when she wants to go, she feels that she doesn't have a choice that she's mm-hmm. being treated unfairly, although she goes out three to four times a week, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit. She doesn't retain that. And she wants the instant gratification. Of exactly. 100%.
1: So I have a good question for you. Okay. In this, talking about things that make them happy. Yes. We have two kids. We have a bunny, a dog, and we had a cat who unfortunately passed away in the last month or so Mm -hmm. and her and the cat were very close because the cat just wanted attention all the time and she liked having a friend so now that the cat has passed the bunny is not going to cuddle up the dog's not going to cuddle up is it recommended to maybe get another cat if you think she will bond with it? I would say yes. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to be scooping out the litter box. And I'm and, and not course. saying that the cat wouldn't be a family cat right. in general. We, right. are, we are animal people. But it's like, am I giving in to her wanting a buddy?
0: Yes, you are. <laughs> am I doing it? That's
1: how and is I that it. okay? Yeah. I, well, that, and that's the thing. It's like if she had somebody or a cat to take care of quote unquote Mm -hmm. and to keep her occupied,
0: then she would have purpose mm -hmm. in her day and life. Just make sure, you know, you don't always get repeat cats, right? I think you probably know that. I'm okay with that. But you could get the cat from hell and, (laughs) and then it would be detrimental instead of beneficial, but exactly. I think that's exactly to give her some sort of purpose. And if that is, is that Mm -hmm. then by all means, I mean, it's going to make life a little bit easier. You'll have a little less snarky comments if there's purpose and reward and she feels good about herself or feels good about the cat or the dog. And Mm -hmm. we often see in the memory care arena and senior living, there's a void, Mm -hmm. right? And that void has been that pet, that they have had for a long time. And perhaps the pet has passed, Mm -hmm. but they have a void in their heart for that. And so it really produces something. It could be a sibling or a spouse or or whatever that has died, but Mm -hmm. they're not even aware. So if you can fill a void, it really is going to be very helpful in not only her self-esteem, but her behaviors in general. Mm -hmm. And so giving her purpose and you can play up on that purpose. Oh, you really take care of the cat and you're the best cat keeper mm-hmm. and whatever it is i know it seems petty yeah but I, it is not but that's where we're i
1: think playing it at this
0: point like it's yes. it's
1: immediate instant gratification i know when i visit our communities and i see the baby dolls mm-hmm. and it takes me a second to why oh because they
0: have purpose and they yes. can take care yeah. of the babies and i Yeah. And and that is, it's not everyone. Yeah. It's a percentage of, especially women Mm -hmm. who have that nurturing need and holding that baby doll really brings substance into their life. Mm -hmm. And it can be a lot of other things for men and and other women, Mm -hmm. but it really does fulfill something. And it does minimize behavior. I mean, we are creatures of habit. We are made for relationship and they are too. So, is the other thing that I would look at for your mother in law? And, I, you know, I don't know what she was like or if she was domestic. No. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if she was domestic or there was something that she did repetitively to give back to the community mm-hmm. or family or anything like that, that's a very fulfilling gesture mm-hmm. that gives purpose. They like it when you keep that alive and you brag about their best recipes or their best pie, or, you know, my mom made the best baked beans on the planet and you brag about their recipe, we're going to use your recipe, or Mm -hmm. perhaps they were good at laundry. You know, there are women who are good at laundry. (laughs) Okay. I'm not one of them, but they enjoy that. Mm -hmm. They enjoy doing or folding laundry. They enjoy contributing, setting the table or, Dusting mm-hmm. or polishing. Or... I wish you did. <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> so if you that, if you go back and look at life before, yes, and find out what were some of the simple things she did. That's a really good idea, and it will give purpose. Mm-hmm. And that purpose and structure are very important mm-hmm. when you lose your sense of self. Just like you and I, we have goals in our work mm-hmm. and accomplishments, and we mm-hmm. feel good when we accomplish those things. If those things were taken away, we wouldn't feel as good about the work that we do. Sure. Right. Sure. Like, I don't mind a pat on the back every now and then. Right. And I'm sure you don't either. Those are the kinds of things that when people get dementia, their normalized life day to day kind of fades away. And so they lose that sense of identity and purpose. And so we just encourage that in people's lives. So, mm-hmm. AJ, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast Thank today. Thank you again. I hope that our discussion helps you every day. And I hope that it helps our listeners and that they find some value. These are pretty simple things. They're not rocket science, but they're hard to navigate when you're in the middle, when you're the caregiver, it's hard to
1: step out and have an objective view. And these help me so much. Exactly.
0: Especially if you're trying to reason it and there's no reason in dementia, Mm -hmm. like there's no reasoning. And so I want to thank the listening audience for joining us today. I hope you'll visit our resource pages for information. So until next time, take a little time to put some joy in your day and make it a memorable day. This is Dawn Platt. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for the Disappearing Mind podcast. We hope it's helped you find clarity and support along your journey. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Visit our website to suggest future topics and share the podcast with friends and family.